Amen. If you'd like to find your place in 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to be preaching on the, the title. The message is The King Must Die. The King Must Die. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, I trust you found your place there. I'd like to welcome those that are listening by the way of the internet. And we thank God for your presence with us. And our services are pre-recorded. And we don't do live services, but we do preach the Word of God. You get the same message that you'd get on Sunday morning uh, right here, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night. But we do pre-record our services. And, and that's just the choice that we make. And, uh, so, but I am thankful that you, uh, that you uh, come and join us by the way of the Internet. And we try to put them at the times where we would be preaching that same message. And uh, we thank God for you. And please pray for us as we pray for you as well. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them and Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to shore that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen of the fatlings of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying and I and if you keep reading here and we'll we'll we're going to go up to verse 22 but if you'll keep reading you understand that the the words of the Lord hadn't changed his commands hadn't changed his will hadn't changed uh, but Saul failed to obey he failed to do what God required of him to do and then we go down to verse 22 it says and Samuel said hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. 
And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. You see in this passage here, we have two kings that are being mentioned. We have King Saul and King Agag. And God had a problem with both of them. And we just read the problems that he had. And one was for their outright sin. The other was for his failure to obey God fully. In both cases, their sin came up before a holy and righteous God. And with the help of God, I'd like to preach on the subject, the king must die. God said that the king of the Amalekites and all the people had to be utterly destroyed, but Saul failed to obey the voice of the Lord. He rebelled against God. He rebelled against God's commandment, and therefore he put himself under the same consequence as Agag. And God's going to be merciful to Saul. God's not going to take him out right then. And, and just like he was merciful to the Amalekites and allowed them to live uh, for all those years. Uh, and, and, and here as Christians, now we're not in the slaying business. Uh, God has not called us to slay people, but there are kings uh, in our life that will rise up uh, in our life uh, that God has commanded us uh, to slay. And if we're going to be pleasing unto the Lord, then there are certain kings that have to be put to death in our life in order for us to have God's favor on us. By not killing King Agag, King Saul lost God's favor. And that's important to understand that. And we, we see this in, in this story here. Uh, you see, God was righteous when he remembered uh, the sin of the Amalekites uh, and what they had done to Israel. Uh, and God was righteous when he removed his favor from off of Saul. Uh, you see, God is no respecter of persons. Uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It makes no difference where you're from or what status you may have in this life, uh, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're young or old. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, you may be thinking then, well, what hope do I have uh, if God is no respecter of persons and if God is righteous, then how can I gain his favor? Well, there's only one way. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you want the favor of God, if you want everlasting life, then you're going to have to go through Jesus Christ to get that. When we were without God and when we were under condemnation for our sins, God loved us and sent His only begotten Son to die for us. Uh, Jesus died for you and me. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, hey, there's hope today. God has made a way for you to be righteous. 
In Titus 3 and verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us uh, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, uh, our Savior. Hey, Jesus died for you and me uh, that we might set our hope uh, in God. You see, Saul was given a command here. Every Amalekite had to die. All of the cattle had to die. But Saul rebelled against God's command and he spared the king and he spared the best of all the sheep and the oxen and and the cattle and all that was good, but he got rid of anything that wasn't good in his eyes. God said it was all bad. If King Saul had done what God had said, he would not have lost God's favor on his life. But because he rebelled against God's command, he lost everything. Hey, if you're saved, then you cannot lose your salvation. You are eternally secure in Christ Jesus, and he ever liveth to make intercession for you and me. Jesus said that there's no man that can pluck you out of his hand, but right here is what can happen when we go against God, when we rebel against His commandment, when we sin against God and we don't confess that sin, then we can lose God's favor on our life. Let me ask you this question. What king has God clearly said needs to die in your life but you failed to slay it? What have you allowed in your life to have a place of preeminence above the clear commands of God's Word. If you're not saved today, then the king of self is still alive and well in your life. Uh, You're still trusting in yourself. You're still trusting in your own reasoning. You're still trusting in your own way. Uh, You're still trusting in your own good works and in your religion. Uh, You may be trusting uh, in your church attendance or even in a church membership or you may be even trusting in a family heritage. Well, my granny was saved or my grandma, she was a godly woman or, or my mom or my dad, you know, they went to church. Uh, Hey, can I just say, if you're not saved today, then the king of self uh, is alive and well uh, in your life. Uh, The Bible says there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby ye must uh, be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Your good name, your good works, your religion cannot save you. But if you're saved today and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then there's some kings in our life that need to be slain. Number one, I would like for us to look at the king of self-will. The king of self-will. You see, Saul had his own plans. God had given him a clear direction. He had given him the very clear words of God for this campaign, but Saul was filled with self-will. God said this, but, you know, I just don't see anything wrong with sparing old King Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and all that is good because in the end I'm just going to give it to God anyway. 
You see, the king of self-will will keep you from doing the will of God for your life. It'll keep you on the couch instead of coming to church. It'll keep you from giving of your time, your talents and treasures to the Lord if you give in to the king of self-will. It will keep you from obeying God's clear commandments from his word. You know why can... Contemporary Christian music has made its way into our homes and churches because of the king of self-will has not been slain. Well, I just don't see anything wrong with it. That's self-will. That's what that is because you're going based on what you think and how you feel and what you like versus what God said is clearly wrong according to the Word of God. And by the way, that's rebellion. You're in rebellion to God and against His Word. Well, I'm not against God. You are. If you're going against the Word of God, then you're in rebellion to Him. You see, Saul didn't see anything wrong with sparing Agag. He didn't see anything wrong with sparing the sheep and the oxen and all that was good. The people, even all the people didn't see anything wrong with it. But he should have lined up with God. He should have lined up with God's Word. You know, he he had this bright idea, I'm going to do all this for the Lord. Yeah. It may have a worldly beat, but you know, it's got religious words to it. It may cause me wanting to bounce around a little bit on stage and, you know, and kind of do the world dance, the world things. But, you know, that's all right because I'm doing it for Jesus. Uh, You know, if they can worship the devil that way, then surely we can worship God the same way they worship the devil. I know the performers, they dress like the world, they look like the world, uh, their styles and hairstyles and actions. But, you know, it's for Jesus. They love Jesus. You know, they'll sing anywhere for money. They will, anywhere. Any belief. Any, anything, as long as it's for money. We get groups that email the church here. They get a hold of the church email address, and they email the church, and they, they say this, we want to come and minister to us in song. And they say that I only require a love offering and a meal. You know, that's all we want, but if you look up their schedule and, and, and um, see where, they, where else they go, you'll say, hmm, how can they go to the Lutheran church, the Presbyterian church, the, the Southern Baptist church, the Independent Baptist church? Uh, how, how can they do all that? None of them churches believe the same. Well, you know, I, I don't listen to the music. I just listen to the words. It's not about the beat. It's not about the music. It's just about the words. Hogwash. You may say you're just all about the words, but can I ask you this? Who else is listening when you're listening? Is your family listening to that same music that you claim you're only listening to the words? What are they listening to? What are they listening to? What's it doing to them? You know what it's doing? It's feeding their flesh. They're not listening to the words. They're just hearing the beat of the music.
all these contemporary groups and contemporary singers, and and uh, they they you know they all got the same pattern. Their eyes are closed. They're swaying. They got their hands in the air. They got their shirts untucked. They're jumping up and down, wearing their worldly clothes and the tight blue jeans and the low cut tops, and you know I, and all these things. They don't use the King James Bible. They don't. They're not taking a stand on the King James Bible. I can promise you that. But they say, though, they're there to spread the word through song. What word? They're not spreading the King James Bible, so what word are they spreading? My, my, my question would be, uh, what church are they a member of? Where, where, where do they go to church? Well, I'd like to speak with their pastors, you know, if they even have one, and, and see if they're faithful in their giving. Are they faithful in their attendance? Do they witness? How many people are they led to the Lord? How many people are they spoken to and actually given them a clear gospel presentation on how to be saved one-on-one? Do they even have a testimony of being saved? Or, or do they kind of sound like other people? Well, you know, granny. They go back to granny or, or, or mama. You know, granny liked to pick that guitar. You know, that's where I got all my... My love for Jesus from. May the Lord help us. Contemporary music is nothing but a bridge to ecumenism. Ecumenism, sorry about that. That's a big word. They want to bridge the gap. They, they just want to see, and a lot of them, the mentality behind that is we can all come together in song. We can all just be one. See, that's what Nebuchadnezzar did, that golden image. He said, at what time you hear the sound? We're all going to come together. We're going to have a big uh, a concert. And whenever you hear that music, then we can all just fall down together. See, that's just trying to get everybody underneath the same umbrella. And by the way, that's alive and well today. The devil's hard at work doing the same thing, setting the stage for the Antichrist and for that false prophet, for the beast, a one-world worship. And it's going to be gathered together by music, I promise you that. Music will play a great role in that. And may we not, may we not make it easy for the Antichrist to do that. May we stand for what's right. Number two, the king of self-sufficiency. We, we, we see that the king of self-will needs to die, but we also see that the king of self-sufficiency needs to die. Look at verse 19. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, uh, oh, but the people. See, uh, it's the people. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, uh, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Here we see that Saul compromised when it came to the word 
Word of God. He knew the Word of God, but he compromised and went in a different direction. He thought that he could stand outside of the will of God. He thought that he could stand outside of the Word of God. Hey, can I just remind you today that partial obedience is still disobedience? And how many Christians have allowed the king of self-sufficiency to dictate their actions? You better be careful allowing that king of self-sufficiency to rule uh, in your life. That falls right into play with that Laodicean church. Uh, oh, they thought they were good and rich and in need of nothing. Uh, oh, we're pleasing Jesus, you know, with our, uh, with our king of self-sufficiency. Jesus was nowhere around that crowd. Uh, he was on the outside knocking on the door, wanting to get in. The king of self-will must die. The king of self-sufficiency must die. The king of self-indulgence must die as well. Look at verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. <laughs> I sinned, but honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people, before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. You see, Saul was more concerned with his self-image than he was being right with God. Saul didn't want to be inconvenienced. He wanted everything to just keep going as normal, even though God had already removed his favor from off his life. Life. Uh, you see, he had plans. Uh, he had agendas. Uh, he had his own schedule that he was running by. Can I ask you, have you killed uh, the king of self-indulgence in your life? Uh, have you allowed anything to have preeminence over God in your life, uh, over being right with God, uh, over being available for, to the, do the Lord's will uh, for your life? You see, God rejected Saul. Saul lost the favor of God on his life, but it wasn't just Saul that lost. It was his whole family. Look at verse 28. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Saul thought that his sin of disobedience and his sin of rebellion would only affect him, but it cost his whole family. Who's going to be affected if we fail to kill these kings in our life? Grandparents, dads, moms, young person, if we fail to kill the kings of self-will, if we fail to kill the kings of self-sufficiency and self-indulgence in our own life, uh, who, who else what is it going to affect you see, Saul's sin was as the sin of witchcraft. It got a hold of him so tight that he could not get away from it. What are some of the common sins that we see in our day uh, among so-called believers? Boy, that sin of compromise is alive and well. Compromise. The sin of complacency. You know, having a lackadaisical attitude toward the things of God, toward the Word of God, the commands of God, uh, uh, complaining. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, that, that, that king's alive and well. The sin of complaining. Oh, boy, I tell you, I mean, look, look at Saul, complaining. Calvinism. Boy, that king's alive and well in the days that we're living in. Uh, how, how about falling for that contemporary movement, embracing the ways of the world and the dress of the world? Uh, that king's alive and well in our homes, uh, relying on themselves uh, instead of the word of God. I tell you, that, that right there is still alive and well, but it needs to die. 
May the Lord help us to slay those kings that rise up in our lives. Why? Because it's going to affect our homes. And so goes the home, so goes the church. We may have our children in the right place, under the right preaching, under the right music, under the right standards, but what you allow at home, what what you allow your children to involve themselves with and and with whom, uh, it's going to have an effect on them. There's no doubt about it. It's going to affect them. Because if they think it's all right, that king of self-will... It's going to be like witchcraft to them. It, it, that sin of rebellion. They say, well, I just, you know, I just, it's got a hold. I can't change because I got used to that. Not at church, but at home. Just because Saul and the people had a different idea for worship, it didn't make it right in the eyes of God. We better be careful following the crowd and taking the, the easy way out. Well, I just want everything to just keep going like it is. It don't work that way. Saul had to answer to the Lord for what he did. And so will we. Each parent is going to have to answer for what kings they allowed to rule in their house and influence their family. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23, it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. What king have you allowed to rule in your life that God has clearly said it must die? Saul tried to excuse his actions, but none of those actions stood before a righteous God. Saul just wanted to keep on going as if nothing had been said or nothing had happened. How are you going to respond today? How are you going to respond? You see, Saul, yeah, he, he knew he did wrong, but he just wanted things to keep going. There was no repentance. You see, he, he lost the favor of God. There was no repentance. He knew he was wrong. He knew what he did was bad. He knew that disobeying the voice was wrong. He knew all that. But he just didn't want to change. He didn't want to get right. Therefore, the kingdom was taken from him and given to a neighbor that was far better than he was. Do you want the favor of God on your life? I tell you, but just follow his word. Yeah, you may stumble, you may fall, but you can ask for forgiveness and you can get back up and just keep going. But repent and, and change. Don't just keep going thinking, well, you know, that's the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft when, when we disobey. And it'll get a hold on you. And that king needs to die. And may the Lord help us. If you're not saved today, then please call on the name of the Lord and be saved today.